Magalhaes to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner. Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. A stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. Um, my name is John Bailey and sat alongside me, I have the ever-present. I'm Tom Parker, nice to see you again, John. Yeah, nice to see you, Tom. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Saints FC Podcast. You can email us, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. But the absolute best way to get in contact with us is by going onto the iTunes podcast store and giving us a review, preferably a five-star one with lots of you know, useful and uh, glowing um, feedback and terms of endearment all, all thrown in. SEO-friendly endearment is the best type of endearment. Yeah, yeah there we go. Um, so, Tom, like, despite the fact that you know, we've, we've started with some kind of like cheery um, salutations to each other, uh, this is not a particularly great time to be a Saints fan, is it? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to cut to the chase. What has gone wrong with Southampton Football Club? Oh, I think it's it's. This is a, you know, you could probably go. This is, our, I think, our twelfth um, episode of the podcast. You could probably go back to the say the third or fourth, and we could have the same conversation. They seem to have lost all confidence. They're devoid of inspiration. They seem to lack leadership, and they seem to have a real. Uh, lack of cutting edge and it's terrible to to watch and it's it's horrible for the fans I, I mean you were there on Saturday John what was it like it's grim it's it's grim at St Mary's at the moment um the the Wolves one was the worst I think maybe even Stoke City at home at the end of last season felt really really terrible but every time I go down to St Mary's at the moment we play really badly um we have no attacking um presence or i, I mean i just don't there's everything seems to be going wrong like as soon as we have possession of the ball we seem to be totally devoid of ideas we're not creating chances um you know i think if you go back to the start of the season the game against swansea okay it was it was nil nil but we had something like 28 shots on goal yeah, it was. Uh, it was they, we peppered the goal. Yeah, but now we've just stopped doing that. We're not even creating chances at all. It's it's strange because we have a striker, which he is not. Uh, yeah, in, in Gary Dean, he's not a great powerhouse. You know, he's not a, like a Didier Drogba. He's not a Chicharito, and that he feeds off the scraps. His game appears to be based upon very clever runs behind yeah. players. But we seem to be completely beyond the West Ham goal, yeah. um, completely beyond of a tactic, uh, you know, of of getting that ball to him in that way where he can do the most damage. And he looks incredibly frustrated. The players look uh, very frustrated. And I, I think, you know, I wasn't at the game on, on Saturday. I, I I came back from the world's other great football city of Barcelona and I was very excited about the same thing. It was really weird. I was more excited about it. It was almost as if I was going. 
Yeah. So I genuinely thought we were going to do something. And listening to it on the on the Saints radio, it just became clear we were very devoid of ideas and verve and inspiration. And I wonder, um, you know, I wonder if there was an issue there with the formation. Did we, are we right to play two defensive holding midfield players against a team like Watford at home? I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if we're going to blame the formation, the worst defence was when we played Wolves in the League Cup. And we tried a, a new formation. We tried um, basically a, a five-three-two formation, and it really, really didn't work. By the time we changed to a four-four-two formation, we looked a bit better, but it was too late to properly affect the game against Watford. I don't know if you can blame the formation or the setup or the tactics. It was it was almost like everything that could go wrong. Not in a slapstick way, but everything that kind of... It, the whole thing felt wrong. So it didn't feel like the players were giving enough. Um, we were slow. We weren't getting to the second balls. Lots of the players didn't look like they were giving the amount of commitment that they should be doing. Uh, tactically, they didn't seem to be aware of each other or how to get the ball forward. I, and there, I remember a few occasions where, you know, we'd break forward and suddenly, you know, we'd have the possession on the edge of the box and we'd be looking around and then before you know it, it'd be right back to Jack Stevens or Wesley Hoot again and you, you know, we're suddenly trying to play it you know from the back and I think as well we seem to have lost the ability for the kind of quick close passing you know how, how a lot of attacks the sort of the, the, the football that sort of characterised the Pochettino yeah and maybe the Koeman it's like yeah. to a lesser extent, but yeah, that those eras. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, what, it's basically the stuff that takes a, an opposition player out of the game. You either take it around him quickly or you pass it around him quickly and suddenly then you have space. And we just seem to be totally lacking that. And it, it's frustrating. It, it's awful to watch. You know, there's one thing about watching your team not get results but you know at least seeing it create chances or feeling unlucky or feeling robbed by the referee or you know all these things but at the moment I mean if you look at our fixtures that we've had at the start of the season Swansea at home um, we've had West Ham United at home we've had Watford at home we've had Huddersfield away and we've had Wolves in the the league happen to have only scored in one of those five matches Mm is seriously, seriously worrying. Yeah, it appears they've not learned any of the lessons from the sort of dark, darkest moments of third. Because I think there's probably a real temptation to rewrite the Puel era as a, a, a total era of negativity and darkness. I don't think that's the case. And we were there at the great day at Wembley, which showed that. But there is, um, there doesn't, they don't seem to have learned any of the lessons. And the players look devoid of confidence Um uh, but I, well, you know, we spoke about this briefly earlier, and I wonder if there's a there was a message sent on Saturday, which a lot of fans have been clamouring for Buffal, and you know, got to yeah. get Buffal in the team, got to do this, got to try James Ward Prowse so he can thread those accurate balls, try and be behind the striker. Um, and I think maybe there was a message there, which was that these aren't the, the players I play week in week out. I Tadic, those are the best players I've got. Yeah. And you can moan about it and you can whinge about it, but I see these people week in, week out, and I know what they can do. I mean, I think he's a little bit, it's a little bit early on to be thinking about 
responding to the fans whinging and I mean I, I don't know whether Pellegrino checks the Saints FC Twitter feed or you know the below the line comments on the highlights on YouTube or, or the Facebook page or, or whatever I, I suspect he probably doesn't um, yeah I mean I guess the atmosphere at St Mary's isn't particularly good at the moment you know we're very quick to get frustrated with the team which to be honest when you look at the results I mean I think the West Ham game is the only game that we've scored in in something like the last eight or nine games yeah you're at, saying at it's nine, and yeah. nine uh, those are the one goal in open play three goals in total in nine games at St Mary's yeah. and it's it's a depressing place to go it's a hoodoo um and I, d- I, d- I don't know what's wrong with it. You know, I've seen people saying, you know, Pellegrino's got to go on Twitter or whatever, and you know, that just seems completely oh, ridiculous madness. to me. I mean, the the guy is, what, four league games into his uh, Saints career. Um, you know, regardless of the fact that we haven't solved a problem which has been building for months and months and months and months and months, yeah, of, of course, you know, it's going to take time. We'd have loved it to have, you know, brilliantly worked out for him and got off to a flying start. But actually, it looks like the issues that we've got at Saints are a little bit more deep-seated and it looks like we've got a real confidence issue with some of our players. Um, and, you know, they're lacking confidence, they're lacking bravery, they're lacking imagination. Yeah, maybe they're scared of, of the fans getting on their back, I think. I, I, I do question, though, we're at home, it's Watford. With all due respect to Watford, that is, the game, that is a game that I imagine Saints thought they could win yeah um we go into it with um two holding midfielders and we seem to be is there a bigger i can't imagine that a manager like pellegrino would take the job with um someone else telling him how to do his set his team up but it does seem to be strange that we are so rigid and that we don't look at that we don't look at watford at home and we go you know what that's a team that it's a new manager like us is that they have a lot of new players betting in way more than we do they're there for the taking like is that a game where you do try and yeah can Gabbiadini and Austin work up front as a twosome and instead we kind of just play this same strategy in the same formation I can understand that formation if we play Man City at home or Arsenal yeah. at home I totally get it but against Watford I don't know are we showing ourselves to be lacking in ambition is, is what worries me and you know, how will that translate as the season progresses? I think absolutely. And it's hard for us as fans to watch that and kind of understand what the manager's doing. I mean, no doubt, you know, Maurizio Pellegrino had a, a pretty impressive playing career. Um, he's had some, you know, relatively good successes in his managerial career. The Saints uh, backroom staff that have done their scouting have obviously seen something in him that has made them suggest that he's the right guy to come to the job. But it is sometimes really frustrating when you're a fan and you just think, well, the biggest problem that we have is that we don't score goals and there appears to be nothing happening to to rectify that situation. And, you know, that I guess that's the, the worrying thing. And, yeah, we've got Shane Long, we've got Charlie Austin, we've got Gabby Adina. They're three very different attackers in the way they play. Sure, none of them are a big man, but, you know, big men aren't that necessarily fashionable in Premier League football at the moment. Um, you know, tactically, they're maybe not that necessary, but, yeah, I, 
we just seem to be missing that threat. But you, you think last season we put four goals against Watford at Vicarage Road mm. and we had Tadic and Redmond and James Ward-Prowse and Gabbiadini all combining beautifully and scoring four goals together. Yeah, that was, I think, the last time we actually looked threatening, probably apart from the the, the final against Man United, that was the last time we actually looked threatening going forward, I think, in a game. Um, I think, you know, from it appears there's a confidence problem. They, they, they're they afraid. They I don't think they believe they can score. Um, and, you know, now we go into a game on Saturday, which, you know, in theory looks like we can win, but Palace will have their tails up. Yeah. New manager. Saints, uh, you know, know that, I think the away fan is the away fan, which, you know, we're going to the game on Saturday. Really, I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. But I think the away fans are a bit more supportive and a bit hardier than the home fans. Um, so we'll see. But again, it's it's a part of an opening five fixtures where you'd have looked at at the start of the season and got, okay, what, Christ, we could end with 15 points. I, I Absolutely. I looked at that opening group of fixtures and I thought, you know what, this could be one of those things where you, you get in there, get some really, really good fixtures, get some good points on the table... And then you're kind of, your confidence high, Man United's the big game after Palace, and you think, you know, going into that sort of fixture, if your confidence is high, you've got a lot of points on the table, then you feel good, you go into that fixture and you, you can maybe cause an you upset. Can or you can afford to lose. Yeah, yeah you, you can, you can afford to lose against Man United at home, because you've won three and drawn two of the previous yeah. five games, which you'd take. Uh, but it's not, and, and now we go, you know, all of a sudden the fixtures are going to start getting hard. Yeah. And we just... I don't know what it is. I, I, re- I've, I mean, it's beyond my wit and wisdom to not even fathom what the issue is. Um, so, I mean, I, I've just kind of like poo-pooed the idea of Pellegrino out. Is there any legs in that? Sacking a manager after be. four games? No. There can't be. I mean, we've just seen I Palace mean, do it today. what sort of club would do that? What sort of South London club would do that? I think, but you, you've seen it. I don't. I think that Saints talk about a project and they, they wanted a manager yeah. who bought into the long-term vision yeah, Pellegrino is without doubt that right person to do it. Any talk of him going is insanity. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope with Pellegrino, he's a young guy. Um, he is still learning. They obviously see some potential in him as a manager. And hopefully, you know, this is just one of a little test that he's going to learn from. And, you know, one day he's going to look back, you know, perhaps at the end of the season when there we are kind of, the fringes of a Europa League place going, ah, you know, I, I learnt my lesson in those early weeks. Yeah. That's it, what you've got to hope for, isn't it? it you'd hope that he's learnt so far that um, we shouldn't play five at the back from the Wolves game. And you hope he's learnt that Davis is not a holding midfield player. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you'd hope he'd learn that we need to get the ball into Gavidini's feet running off the last man. It's... You know, they say it's not a difficult game. Yeah. Well, let's let's pick up some of the talking points of the Saints-Watford game. So, our clearances. I think if you look at the two goals, which were actually quite similar, both came from poor Saints clearances. Well, like two poor Saints clearances, yeah. like from pretty much from memory. Yeah. They came from us not being quick enough to the second ball. Um. And they also came from Forster not being able to get down quick enough to the ball as it as it came to him from you know quite far out across him as well. Yeah. So that these are, these are long shots uh, across Fraser Forster from distance. Um, 
you know, we we exchanged messages on Saturday, which was almost like well, it's almost as if you know coaches have worked out that's how you beat him. Yeah, you don't go don't go up high, just go low because he's such a big guy. Um, uh, yeah, the the goals were depressing to watch. The poor header from Stevens, not a great header from I think this is for the second goal, not a great header from Hoyt, and then Buffal just getting bumped out of the way like a you know, like a little boy and you just wish someone had been someone a bit stronger had just been there because that, that ball would have been cleared. I, the, the interesting thing about the second goal is like Buffel kind of got boshed out of the way and then it fell to the next Watford player. No Saints player had actually followed that on um, and they all just kind of standing around then Buffel kind of had another half-assed attempt at kind of moving towards him and that's where he got the shot, shot away. But I mean, for the whole game, Watford were all over us. They were pressing us well. Um, Silver looks like he's got them working well, which is exactly what he did at Hull. Yeah, he turned a very workmanlike group of players into Apart a very from effective away. unit. I mean, it would yeah. be nice if he'd kept his away record and brought <laughs> that to St Mary's with him. But yeah, I, it's, I, I wonder with the the team that was picked. I, I think we'll, we'll come on to that. But um, the just Saints defending just didn't look great. Um, and obviously, Big Virgil's back tonight. Yeah, and, uh, and, and you think kind of. Um, you know, we actually looked like that we missed Mario Lamina, even though, I mean, what, he's played three games for Saints? How can we look like we missed a player that's only played for three games so far? That's, that's quite alarming, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's, but by all accounts, he is the dynamic link that that, that they wanted to... That, that links that, midfield and yeah, attack. Yeah, links midfield, yeah, defence midfield attack. And I don't um, understand how a 23-year-old... And you know this goes back to the Steve Armstrong uh, interview, which was fascinating. But how a 23-year-old who's just come off the back of playing for Juventus can need a break after playing in Africa in midweek? Yeah. But why is he not able to start on a Saturday? I mean, when we so clearly desperately needed yeah. him as well. Because uh, we got bossed off the midfield. And um, so let's pick up another talking point because you've got to admit that when Tadic came onto the pitch, we looked better. Well, it's a bit more creative. And he's one of these players that infuriates fans. I think because we've seen him play so well in the past and it hasn't, it doesn't always go like that with Tadic and he can be infuriating and frustrating. But he does do stuff. He does try and beat players. And if you've got someone who tries to beat players, then it creates space and it creates pockets of, of space and you know places for players to move into and then you get chances from it. Yeah, I think... I- Tadic is mercurial. I think it's probably the most polite way of putting it. He, but his stats don't lie. The guy is a is a goal assist machine, veritably, and he creates a lot of chances. Um, we, unfortunately, since Ricky Lambert probably lacked, or since, well, certainly since Graziano lacked the striker to put those chances away. Um, but again, I think that that was a message. I think like a lot of Saints fans had called for Buffal, and I think maybe you know. Buffel looks very impressive, but Tannik does create a lot of chances. That's beyond any doubt. Yeah. You know another player who I think would attack, uh, you know, attack effectively, create chances, create space, would be um, Josh Sims. And, my, and my boyfriend. And he's, you know, he's gone. Like, where is, is he? Has he gone where, on loan? Or he, he there was talk about him going to Sheffield Wednesday. I, d- I mean, as far as I know, he hasn't gone out on loan, but he doesn't appear to be... Um, Near the you squad, know, in or around the squad. So, yeah, I think um, I would like to see Sim. I, I, 
I just think we, I don't know, Redmond doesn't seem to have any confidence. He's such a confidence player. There was yeah. a there was a moment um, in the commentary uh, on Saturday when there was a moment on the commentary and he said, Redmond has to get this right and he doesn't. <laughs> and it was like, if you ever wanted to know like what sums up Redmond's career for Saints, it was that. like He had to get a moment right, like when he went through it against Huddersfield. Yeah. And he couldn't do it. So, yeah. I mean, let's. I mean, where where do we go from this? So, let's. We've had the kind of softest Premier League start, probably ever, that we've had in our history. Um, we sit, I think, in tenth or twelfth position in the table now. Tenth, I think we are. Uh, maybe thirteenth now. Actually, we're looking at um, now the extra games have been played, um, and. We're playing badly. We seem to be lacking attacking ideas. Um, we've got a game against Crystal Palace, who've you know just sacked Frank de Boer after four games, which I think is astonishing. Um, who knows, you know, what 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 you're doing there when um, you know you employ a manager who's going for kind of total football, and then you give him four days to totally yeah. transform. Yeah, even two loan signings, uh, a bloke from Ajax. And then on the last day, you buy the lump centre back that you yeah. had last year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, may, yeah, maybe it doesn't work for Frank de Boer if he's outside of the Eredivisie. I'm not sure. Um, but we're going to be going to Crystal Palace, who a lot of the fans and the players are going to be feeling a bit relieved. And they're probably going to give us quite a good game. They always do. And it's a, it's an intimidating stadium to go to. Uh, Palace they've got their ultras which a lot of people laugh at but they are loud and they've got good flags and they are they'll be well up for it because they'll see this as their season starts now yeah um, and Saints they'll think they can get a result they haven't scored but we're not as watertight at the back as we should be and there's no reason why um, they won't feel they can get a win I think you know, I'm just looking tonight um, Saints under 23s with Virgil van Dijk losing 4-0 <laughs> away at Villa so um, obviously Virgil van Dijk has not had the magic restorative effect that they hoped he would um, on that defence so yeah um, God knows what will happen on Saturday yeah, I mean we were talking about this earlier what, what is more important you know is it us losing 5-4 and all the players getting a goal from open play or would you take a one nil here with it being an own goal from the second or a tadic penalty or something? Yeah, yeah. It just like creeps in. I mean, we we could do with the three points, but equally, I think we could just do with the players knowing that they can score and attack. Yeah, I agree. It'd be interesting, and if you you know if you follow us on Twitter, it'd be good to let you, what you'd always prefer as a Saints fan. Would you prefer the goals, but a loss or a sneaky win? I personally prefer a win yeah. um, because I think they need to remember that they can win and they can win ugly um, but yeah it just is if we go to this game on Saturday we've got genuinely no idea what's going to happen no I mean I just really hope that we see Saints score that's that's all I'm hoping for at the moment um, I've got a few kind of players that I want to talk about Fraser Forster oh dear big phrase what what what's happened there, Tom? Well, aren't you seeing what happens when a club makes a, a player essentially undroppable for reasons that are beyond? I mean, I think last season when it always it only happens with goalkeepers, though, doesn't it? Yeah, but I just don't see. I 
he is an enigma to me because he's a big man who is not particularly brave. He is a vampire when it comes to crosses. Uh, you know, he flaps at them all day long. He produces the occasional bit of magic. You watch on Saturday, you watch people like Punch and shoot low and hard against him. Yeah. Knowing that he's got six foot seven of, what, like 15 stone worth of frame to try and get down. Uh, it it worries me. And I, I worry the message it sends to, to the to the other players. If what what do players have to do to get dropped? How miserable does Bertrand have to look this season for him to get dropped? <laughs> how many mistakes? How many fairly easy shots does does Fraser have to let in? And I know he's a he's a fantastic goalkeeper, and I know he did that miracle save against Liverpool, and he does pull things out the bag which are incredible. But what does it send as a message? You want to see Stuart Taylor get a run? We'd all love Taylor, um, but obviously no. I think McCarthy has to. Yeah, you know, like what? Why sign him if he's not a genuine competition for Forster? Why did they spend the money on him? Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, what are your thoughts? You you see him more than I. What are your thoughts? I mean, I I see him in the. Um, I mean, obviously, I've seen him per- perform possibly the best goalkeeping performance that I have ever seen which was um, against Arsenal at the Emirates where he kind of single-handedly just seemed to just in, you know at those very close range shots he was just able to very very quickly react and, and stop the the ball going and the goal um, but you know I think you're going to look at those two goals and you think well actually he probably you know, he maybe could have saved one of them Um I th- normally when I see that everyone's blaming Fraser Forster I tend to disagree with the consensus because I think there's normally been like three or four culprits along the way whether it's like a Buffal not tackling properly or it's a poor clearance or you know various other things um, that have led to us conceding the chance in the first place but I mean it, what's what's the harm in trying I mean his confidence looks shot already I mean if you drop him you might say, well, it could damage his confidence even more, but it it could give him something more to fight for. Yeah, we got dropped from the England squad um, and then actually produced a half-decent performance um, in, in the 0-0 game that was that followed that. So I don't, you know, against Huddersfield, so I don't I don't know. I mean, I just, yeah. I, my worry is that do, you play, do the other players have confidence in him? Um, and also we don't score goals so if we have a leaky goalkeeper that makes it very hard for us yeah I mean I I do wonder as well with Fraser Forster if he's ever been the same after his injury and I I think that maybe that's the thing that maybe he didn't quite fully recover from that before being brought back into the side and actually he could do with a bit more kind of strength or flexibility training or or something to to get him back to 100% Um, okay so talked about Fraser Forster Um, let's talk about Gabbiadini. He just needs the ball, doesn't he? At his feet. He looks so frustrated. Yeah. Well, he doesn't need the ball. It's, he needs it about two he yards. He needs about in two front yards in front of his feet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he looks so f- frustrated and so distraught yeah. uh, at the moment. Um, and he looks a shadow of his former self. It's really worrying because it, it must be, you know, you've got like Redmond running at pace. He's yeah. like, slip the ball in. Yeah. Put that ball in. And they just don't seem to to do it the decision making is bad and ultimately it's Gabby Dean that suffers yeah 
So yeah, I, d- I mean, I don't necessarily. I don't think Gabbiadini is the problem. I think the system that we're playing at the moment doesn't suit him. Um, I don't think it suits any of the strikers that we've got in the squad, which maybe thinks maybe we should try try and change the system and get it to work with the players that we've got. Um, I think the only one it, it would work, sorry, is, is Charlie Austin. Because uh, he's, he's a he's big lump and he can bring that ball down and he's hold a lump, it up. But he's not actually a big man, though, is he? No, really? well, he is, but in the in the places he shouldn't be for a professional yeah. athlete, uh, which is the warring aspect of Charlie Austin. Yeah. Um, I'm not convinced by Charlie Austin. I think you know, Shane Long again, he comes in, he brings a little bit of a boost of energy and something a little bit different but again it, it fades quite quickly you know we always seem to bring on Shane Long when it's a bit too late to bring him on to to change the game I actually think Shane Long is more effective from the start you know where you're bullying defenders right from the outset and you put defenders on their toes and it, and it's hard for them to kind of cope and deal with it and you almost have to decide right is this going to be a team that's going to be bullied by Shane Long yes or no if yes, let's throw him in. I, I don't necessarily I think Watford would be the team that... that no, I, lo- I love Shane Long. Shane Long is a nightmare. I, I just... I, I think we don't, we're not using him exactly as you say, right. And I think he must be frustrated. His goal record has fallen off a cliff since yeah. the start of last season, um, as has everyone else's. Um, but yeah, what what's the answer? I've got no idea. Yeah. Um, okay, so James Ward-Prowse. We're playing him in the kind of attacking central midfielder role at the moment. That's all wrong, isn't it? What is James Ward-Prowse? Like, what, like really, like, if you'd say, like, can anyone, him included, tell you, is he a right-sided midfielder? Is he a central midfielder? Is he, like, a quarterback, like David Beckham sort of aspired to be towards the end of his career, where he sits behind the, you know, midfield, lobbing 40-yard passes to feet? Is he a goal scorer? Well, he's definitely not a goal scorer. Is he a tough tackler? He's definitely not a tough tackler. Like, what is a James Ward-Prowse? And it, it's an enigma. Because he doesn't seem to be... He, there's no doubt in his talent, like with a dead ball. Yeah. But he doesn't seem to be quite good enough in any position. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, what is he? Well, I think that Claude Well got very close to figuring out James Ward-Prowse. And it was as a right-sided midfielder and then, before the end of the season, he changed his position back to a center, central position. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Every time I've seen him play in right midfield, he looks better than he does in any other position that I've seen him play in. Um, yet, for some reason, our managers keep on moving him back to the center. And I don't know whether he's saying something to the managers now, I like playing in central midfield, or if you know they see something else that, that I don't, as a, as a layman of... Uh, you know, football coaching, they they see something that James Ward-Prowse can do that I'm not seeing every, every week. I think if you had Graziano Pella in the centre... Big lump. Yeah, big lump. And you had James Ward-Prowse outright, brilliant. Yeah. You know, you get your crosses in. But Pella, um, uh, is not a great header of the ball, no. it doesn't appear to be. He's not, he's not hard for winning those areas. I mean, we've got, you know, he's going to be up against Sacco on Saturday. Yeah. He's not going to win a sniff. But I, d- I mean, I do wonder, you know, perhaps if we had James Ward-Prowse on the right-hand side threading through balls into Gabbiadini from wide. So you, you've got Cedric running up, does a nice little one-two with Ward-Prowse and throws the ball through. Or you've got Cedric kind of passing out from defence, goes to James Ward-Prowse, he passes it out. Uh, um, but this wasn't this what was meant to be on Saturday. You know, like when they put the announcement of the team up on Twitter, you had Buffal behind Gabbiadini, yeah. I think, and then you had Ward-Prowse on the right. 
and it actually turned out that Ward Prowse played in the centre. And Vivao was on the right. Vivao was on the right. And it just doesn't. Like, I don't know. Is Ward Prowse that dangerous that he can play behind a central striker? I, has he ever shown anything? He's never scored a goal from open play, I don't Or once scored in the FA Cup. Like six, seven years ago. He doesn't. Yeah, he's not a deadly. Yeah. He's not that player, is he? No. Um, and Bufal, I think we've already spoken enough about. Uh, Wesley Hoot, our new signing, he seems to be, uh, we prefer to Yoshida. Looks pretty tidy by all accounts. I mean, Yoshida obviously did a lot of miles. Um, I think he played he played in Japan and then Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, he has this insane international schedule. Um, but by all accounts, he's very tidy. He's incredibly good looking. Uh, my girlfriend is all over that. Uh, <laughs> so if you're listening, Wesley, uh, yeah, but he, yeah. He must be really good. Yeah. Like, and we've got to give him time. I'm really. Look- I hope he plays on Saturday. Cause I'm really looking forward to seeing him. See, my my wife always went for uh, Morgan Schneidlin. I remember taking her down to St Mary's, and uh, he got substituted on at some point, and she was just suddenly a bit more interested in the game. Was like, yeah. oh, who's that? He's French as well. He's yeah. Automatically better than us. Uh, but yeah, like, I, 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 you know, he he plays for Lazio. Yeah. He's got Dutch international caps. He's what twenty three or something. Yeah. We didn't pay in modern football terms a ridiculous sum of money for him. Yeah, it will be a very exciting signing. Okay, so I'm not 100 percent sure about him, but I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go for hopeful because I think most of this podcast has been depressing. So let's say <laughs> right. At least we've got a tidy new signing, Wesley. Here we've got a pretty good signing, I think, in Mario Lamina. It's gonna be good to see him back in the side, dictating the play on Saturday and bring us a win. As we you know travel to South London, um, right? Social media and Southampton constantly showing videos of their players doing shooting practice and training and scoring you know quite brilliant goals against Stuart Taylor and no defenders. Yeah. They need to stop doing. They're trolling. The I think <laughs> that's what the young people call it. They're trolling uh, Southampton fans with this because it's. It, it is maddening because they do it now. This is done the last three weekends where they're like, look at these red hot finishes with the emoji con for, of emoji of, 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 of a flame. Like a burning flame, uh, yeah. And it's like, wow, look at that finish from 10 yards out by Nathan Redmond against a uh, half tired Stuart Taylor. Um, which bears, and I think it's just like they need to stop doing it. It just, surely it's just, an, if it annoys anyone as much as it annoys me, then, <laughs> then it must be annoying. Oh, God, it's so irritating. Um. Yeah. So, or or it would be interesting to know. Do you think in training they actually practice shooting with defenders trying to stop them from shooting? Because maybe that's the issue. Maybe you know they're yeah, doing they this training against these dummies and a fake wall. I yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I'm taking the Mickey now. But come on, let's. It's almost like they're trying to say, look, our players can score and they can shoot, but. We've transgressed since the start of the season. We're now not even creating the chances. You know, the the game against Swansea, you could kind of write off as being, we created lots of chances. We didn't quite finish. You know, on another day, you'd get two or three. Yeah. But there's no way that you can look at the Watford game or even the Wolves game and say that we ever looked like we were going to properly score. No, and I I think that... um that's the really alarming thing, isn't it? That they—it's not that like we're unlucky, 
you know, like Palace at the weekend against Burnley had like 23 shots and conspired to still lose 1-0. We're, we're not like peppering the opposition goal and, and meeting inspired goalkeepers or world-class defenders. We're playing some pretty average teams and we're still not creating. So, yeah. Um, and, and, and just looking here beyond Palace, just looking at these fixtures we've got, Palace, you know, we could we could win that. Man United, yeah, you'd lose that. Stoke away, we could get a result there. Yeah. Newcastle at home, West He's Brom at home, Brighton away. Like we've been given Burnley at home. We've been given and then we hit a tougher run of games, Liverpool, Everton, Everton Man City, Bournemouth okay, and then Arsenal. Like you know, our chance to take points is is this run of games. Yeah. And we're in a we're in a lot of trouble. If I mean, if we, if we get don't take points, if we get to the eighteenth of November, and we're not, you know, well up there, like sixth or seventh in the league, and then we have the run of Liverpool, Everton, Man City, Bournemouth, Arsenal. I mean, it, in that run of five fixtures, I will expect us to lose three, yes. maybe Easily. win one and draw one. Oh, you know what? You take that. If someone offered it to you now, you'd take. <laughs> Currently you'd watching take. this team, you would. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I think there's a there's a and you don't want to be alarmist four games into the season, but you got to look at like it's just not looking cool. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, Pellegrino is going to figure it out. He will. Yeah. I mean, let's let, let's have a little bit of faith. Um. Saints social media team, you tend to be brilliant, but yeah, try and show the players taking it around a defender or something before they shoot or you know maybe some passing practice or some chance creation practice in your next crossing video. you know corner like how bad are our, also how bad are our set pieces well, that's a whole other thing like when was the last time like we genuinely threatened from a corner what do you see the thing is James Will Prowse great at set pieces but we don't have anyone really who can finish them off Van Dyke can mm. oh, but yeah Hoyt's six foot four he's as mm. tall as anyone uh, I know he's only played one game, but um, we don't seem to be a threat from set pieces. No. Uh, the, the team from a couple of years ago, Kuma, was it that scored more goals, headed goals? That was the Pella team. Yeah. Um, we seem to have totally, we seem to have totally forgotten how to do that. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I think at this point, Tom, let's let's take a couple of predictions. So... What are we going to do against Palace at the weekend? I know you've said that this one's impossible to predict, but I'm just going to ask you to do it anyway. I think we'll win. You think we're going to win? Because football's weird. And um, I do think they'll win. I, I think that he'll go back to the team that he knows. You know, Tadic, Redmond, Gavidini, you know, Lamina. I think he'll play, I'll play a strong team. And I think we'll win. And I think we'll win 2-1. John. <laughs> yeah. this is the mood that I'm in at the moment I think we're going to lose and I think we're not going to score if we don't score it's my dad's birthday present if we don't score they've let yeah. down my, my dad so oh, we're going there for my bro's birthday he dutifully stepped in last time when you, you were off uh, sunning and yourself did a great job as well yeah um, so anyway for so for the benefit of Tom's dad and uh, my brother and let's get some birthday goals in and um, I think on that note, we can probably, that's probably enough depressing. There's enough depressing. Well, actually, okay, so there's one last thing I want to talk about. The My Way song. 
that they play at St Mary's, which is this? A, I because I often I'm in the pub very until the very last minute. Is this yeah. the one where they've sort of bastardised the lyrics? Yeah, yeah, I hate it. Yeah, it it is horrendous, and so I mean I wasn't. Yeah, you know, I just thought, okay, this is really, really annoying. But obviously it has no effect on anything other than, you know, the fans find it a bit irritating at the start. But then I read an article, and I've, I've posted this on the Saints FC podcast um, Twitter page a couple of days ago, um, so you can find it. And it was in uh, The Guardian about four years ago, and the title is Can Music Help Footballers Play Better? And there's a a research study that some German scientist has done, some boffin has got around and he's got players playing against each other. One's you know, listening to music, which has got high tempo beat and one's which are listening to music, which you know, doesn't have a high tempo beat or not listening to music at all. And they found that it does increase the player's performance when they're listening to kind of high tempo, high energy music. And so to play that dirge mm. at the start of every game, so the, you know the players are coming but the out. fans don't seem to like it either no, the fans don't like it either and the fans don't react well to it you, you compare that to um what's the uh the punk version of when the saints go march well, this is so this would be my the saints are coming by a scottish punk band the skids yeah uh like i don't know why that is the song that's what the saints should come out to. yeah like, absolutely it's pumping that it's, it's punky it's high energy it's like we're gonna get in your face and we're gonna cause you problems that is what you want. You don't want this Southampton way. So, um, I mean, I don't know whether the Saints FC podcast should start some sort of campaign against the My Way song, but... I, I, I don't, it doesn't work for me. Because also, yeah. we don't seem to have a Southampton way that... We did, obviously, we bring out young players through. We had two starting on uh, Saturday. Brilliant. Yeah. But we're not like... You know, a few years ago, we were looking at like four or five homegrown yeah. players. Then you could say there was a Southampton way. I don't know if there necessarily is at the moment. And I, and I, I almost think it's it's part of this like uh, this cloak of um, ridiculousness. Yeah. Like that we're not like like play a song that is going to scare people. Yeah. And get the crowd pumped. Yeah. I mean, either scare people, or get people excited. Just something high energy that people enjoy listening to would just be huge, huge. Um, improvement anyway let us know what you think about that um, as always get in contact saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com or at saintsfcpodcast on twitter of course um, the best thing that you can do for a podcast is like subscribe give us a review tell all of your friends that support Southampton to listen to the podcast and uh, we'll be very very happy please do yeah um, so anyway, we'll see some of you on Saturday at uh, Delhurst Park. Um, for the rest of you, we'll see you in the non-visual world of uh, audio. It's been a pleasure. Cheerio. I cried to my daddy on the telephone, how long now? Till the clouds unroll and you come on the line well. But the shadow still remains in your descent, your descent.